Both my parents were immigrants and they came over here and they had my brother and me. We grew up in a strict authoritarian parenting style kind of home, but it was also very religious. And I have so many tender memories growing up that I hold dear to my heart. But I also remember how shame was the weapon of choice if you ever forgot your place. And I couldn't articulate it as a child, but I, at the time, remember being confused and not being able to understand how in this home where religion was so paramount, why it didn't feel safe and why it couldn't be vulnerable. Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. This is your host, Alana Sullivan. This podcast is all about experiencing the abundant life that Jesus promised. This month, we are focusing on emotional health. Today is a discussion with Celeste Garcia. Celeste has been a school psychologist for the past 15 years, serving public school students from preschool through high school. For nine years, she taught graduate school as an adjunct professor in the area of psychometrics. Currently, she works for juvenile court and community schools, working with San Diego's expelled, foster, and incarcerated youth. Celeste, her husband Phil, and their two children have been part of the gathering for the past three years. Today, she shares with us what God has taught her about community, trust, and the importance of vulnerability as a means to grow closer to God. Let's hear more. Now, I know we've mentioned shame a few times on this podcast, but not everyone knows what shame actually feels like. Could you give an example of what a shaming statement you may have heard from your parents growing up? Yeah, so they didn't speak English as their first language, obviously. And growing up as a young kid, hearing them say or mispronounce words or try to explain something, I would try to help them fill in the blanks or help them pronounce it. And I remember comments like, you think you're so smart? Well, you're not. Hmm. I heard similar demeaning comments growing up from my dad. I'm sorry. Can you tell us more about your home life growing up? You know, I think there's a lot of tension in a house that practices a lot of religion, where at the same time, the people living in the house can still feel less than. And I think from an environment like that, it was the birthplace of this disease to please. And as a child growing up, you know, my teens and early adult, I practiced this religion because I thought I am being good and I wanted to please. So I did the things that were expected of me. But in my late 20s, about 13 years ago, a friend of Phil and me had invited us to visit a different church. And that was really the beginning of where I realized I wanted to know more about God. And I was starting to learn that he cared and he wanted to be in relationship with me. Mm -hmm. 
Was this newfound truth easy to accept? I think I struggled with this new truth, this idea that God desired to have a relationship with me, that I didn't have to do anything. I was loved because he loved me first. Mm -hmm. So in my early Christian walk, because I couldn't understand this, because I didn't know God's character, I just continued to live the way I did before, which is this self-preservation mode where you're trying to protect yourself from feeling ashamed or being in conflict. You know, if you're always putting on a happy face, being agreeable and saying yes all the time, never revealing insecurities or fears, always wanting things to look perfect and controlled. I didn't know it at the time, but I wasn't being authentic. So what happened after you visited that church 13 years ago with a friend? For 10 years, we were attending church, and we were even part of a Bible study that lasted several years. And it was in that Bible study that I started to share parts of my life with people. I wanted to keep it about safe subjects, Hmm. like motherhood, because a lot of them were parents, so they could relate. And I never delved into deeper things. But it was really my first taste of sharing challenges with other people. And the group eventually broke up. Three years ago, we stumbled upon this other church, and it was being held inside our kids' school on the weekend. And because it was so close to us, it was almost across the street, we decided to give it a try because it was very convenient to get there. And we saw Kim and Miguel Morton sitting in front of us. They were in our first Bible study years ago, and I took it as a sign that we were going to stay there. Mm, That's cool. Yeah, I remember meeting you and just being super excited to get to know you guys better. Oh, likewise. So what's happened from three years ago to now? I think God accelerated our growth in terms of our walk with Him. We've been able to do Christ-centered life with other believers And that wasn't something we had before. So what does Christ-centered life look like for you? For me, it looks like walking side by side with others who desire to draw closer to Jesus in all that they do. It's belonging. It's experiencing God's love through the friendship of others. And it's a place where every day we get to practice with each other our identity in Christ and be reminded of our worthiness in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was in this community that I found what it meant to be truly vulnerable. What about this community facilitated your vulnerability? Why is community so important? Well, we're wired to be in community. Mm. There's so much psychological research out there on it, um, the happiest 10% of people in the world are distinguished by the strength of their social relationships. And if you have strong social connections, you typically have lower cortisol in your body. Mm. 
You bounce back faster from sickness and stress. You don't miss as many days off of work as people who don't have social connections. Your motivation is higher. And, you know, beyond the research, if we were to just put all that aside, the Bible tells us we were made for a community. Yeah. Here's this God, three persons in a perfect community with each other. And they know each other and they support each other and they work together. And we were made to mirror that. That's, I never thought about even gods and community, like with the, in the Trinity. That's kind of all we need to prove that community is important. Right. So how did the community at the gathering facilitate vulnerability for you? Well, in my personal experience, the small community that was created through our small groups, that was a place where I found people that wanted a life for me that God wanted for me. They had this vision for me that was Christ-centered and they delighted in and rooted for me and my family to draw closer to God. And in that community was also this experience of being exposed. You know, once that social capital has been built and it becomes a safe place, that exposing of ourselves, that work we were able to do and we're still doing and they didn't in a way that affirmed me in Christ's identity. Mm. So it was never about tearing me down. And it disrupted, you know, what was going on inside me. And it shed light on core values that were lies and were founded on things that weren't true. It's in this community that this exposure and the disruptions happening but also forgiveness and grace. Mm-hmm. And it's not a one-time thing. It's an over and over again practice of living this life and knowing, hey, these are people. This is a community that's going to help me. I think something that really helped facilitate that was, because we're in the same small group, the women and the men broke up. And then we took turns sharing testimonies. That one week was our turn to just share our story and what a vulnerable right. place to be with each other. Right. And we just, we got prayer and we listened and we cried with each other and just kind of got to see inside. We got to see who each other really was. And that facilitated growth and community so quickly. But let's let's define vulnerability. What is vulnerability? especially within like the Christian lens. Yeah, I think vulnerability involves taking this big risk and emotionally exposing yourself, but to the right person. You know, you really need to have an understanding of healthy boundaries here in order to know when and where is the right time to be vulnerable. Looking at it through a Christian lens, sometimes it's more than just emotionally exposing yourself. Sometimes it's also being open to the fact that someone, maybe another brother or sister in Christ, in their love could help you uncover something that's going on in your heart. And whatever that is, be it sin, what is hindering you in your walk with Christ? Mm. So vulnerability allows for that space 
of uncovering. It's like taking our armor off and being honest about who we truly are underneath the facade. How are we really doing? Sometimes, I mean, I know almost daily, probably I, I walk around at home with my armor on. And then at the end of the day, I, it's almost like I have to remember that I'm safe to be vulnerable with my husband. So I'll tell him something I want to hide from. Like I shouldn't have reacted that way with the kids today, or I'm feeling insecure and afraid of judgment for this presentation I'm gonna give at work. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. This relationship with you and your spouse, I mean, even with kids, mm -hmm. you know, that's vulnerability when you're apologizing to your own children or apologizing to your spouse in front of the kids, mm -hmm. it is putting pride to death. Yeah. And that is vulnerability. So I think Christ is our number one example of vulnerability. Mm. And if you look in Mark's gospel, here's this figure, Jesus, who has God, who is God, right, in mm -hmm. him, and lays down his life and allows himself to be put to death. He willingly enters the city of Jerusalem where he knows this is going to happen. He suffers. He knows he's going to be rejected. Mm -hmm. And so I think vulnerability is is exemplified in Christ. And it's and it was an important part of Jesus' story. It's like one of the last things he did mm. was to be vulnerable. You know, beyond the example that Christ gives us, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 through 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I love this one because this one points to the fact that when we're vulnerable, we're exposing things about ourselves um, that we'd rather hide. Mm -hmm. We're exposing what we seem, what we think might be weaknesses. But it's that ability to claim, hey, this is me and my imperfect self, and God makes me whole. Yeah. And we're all in the same boat. With We're all weak. We're mm -hmm. all imperfect. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. James 5.16 talks about healing. So vulnerability gives us an opportunity to find healing. You know, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confessing your sins about things that we struggle with daily, self-effort, safety, control, mm -hmm. pleasure, confidence. Those are things that another brother or sister in Christ in that safe relationship can reveal to us where healing is needed in those areas. Yeah. Confession of our sins is pretty pivotal in our walk to get closer to Jesus. It's not to embarrass or shame us, but to heal us from the shame we that we tend to just want to stuff. 
So it's, it's freeing to tell a trusted friend something you did wrong and being received in love and compassion. So how does vulnerability help lead to a closeness with God? Well, being vulnerable leads us to be more like Christ, and it reaffirms our dependence on Christ, mm. showing us where we're weak. It allows God's love to flow through other others t- to us, and we get to belong in this community where it's this tangible reminder that we are part of God's family. We get to practice compassion like you were talking about, and this is the same compassion God has for us. And we can have that for ourselves. We can have that for other people. Vulnerability is being able to be our true selves, the selves that yeah. God designed us to be. Yeah. It's it's what's really in there that we're kind of hiding from, but it's it's us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's important. We talk so much about being vulnerable, but it is also important to – be a, a person that someone can be vulnerable with and making that connection with another person mm-hmm. also helps us come closer to God. Mm-hmm. How do you become that person that someone can be vulnerable with? Hmm. Well, I think first you you need to be a person who is in deep fellowship with Christ. So being in the word and all that that entails, right? the meditating and the memorizing and the reading and the studying, the active prayer life and the being in community. Mm -hmm. I think people that are going to be people you can connect with are people that listen for your social bids. And by that, I mean, they don't retreat when things get awkward. For example, you could be at church and ask somebody, Hey, how you doing? And most people say fine, mm-hmm. but some people will actually give you a social bid, almost a clue as to that they're not. Like right. they'll say, uh, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And it's at that point that the door could open to more connection. Yeah. And from there, more trust to be built in mm-hmm. order to create a relationship where someone can be safe and vulnerable. But to be that kind of person who pushes into that and doesn't walk away from, oh, that's messy and I'm really busy. I heard it said by Brene Brown, actually, that it's like if you ignore the opportunity, it's a betrayal. Mm. So it's not just that you're not building trust, you're breaking trust. Mm. When you see someone, especially a friend, that that is, is looking for that in with you, that connection, they're telling you they need help or they're, or you can even just observe it. It's like, um, it's like rejection. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so you're saying pleasantries, right? Right. Oh, I'm going to pretend like I didn't see this. Yeah. Cause I've got things to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think one thing to remember with being that person that people can come to is that it's not your job to change their heart. That's God's work. And you're not their hero and you don't have to be an expert in things. You know, people aren't necessarily looking for advice. They are, they're looking for connection. 
Mm-hmm. So if the focus is not to fix their problems, although in a vulnerable relationship where people are connected authentically, yes, problems can be fixed. Yeah. But if that's not the main focus, well, what is? I think the main focus is helping our community draw closer to God, mm-hmm. know and, Him well. Yeah. And sometimes that's just listening, like you said, just mm-hmm. holding space. I'm just going to hear you mm-hmm. and listen to what you're going through. And you don't have to have an answer, like you're saying. Right. And empathy, it's it's so important. Paul talks about in Corinthians 12, 26, that we should be suffering with each other, right? To let somebody know that, hey, I'm struggling for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I want what God wants for you. And this is painful for me to hear. Yeah. So what are our main takeaways? How can we grow in vulnerability? One big takeaway is Finding connection in a Christian community, if you haven't yet. And for me, that happened in a small group. And more so when the groups broke up gender-wise was even an easier, more safe place Mm -hmm. to find that. But making sure you're doing that. And then once you're in there, the focus isn't again to fix problems or make them go away. The focus is in these communities to awaken in us this ability to experience God in the midst Mm, of our problems. Yeah. Another takeaway I would say is to be vulnerable with the right person or the right people. And, you know, you're going to, if you venture into this journey of vulnerability, you're going to be exposing yourself to another person and sharing these life experiences, things that are difficult. I would say the last takeaway would be be vulnerable because Christ was vulnerable. So when someone shares with you their pain and their darkness, love them because you know that we should be a person someone can be vulnerable with. 